Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. Hamilton Southeastern School Board at-large elections go like this. There are three seats. All voters within the school district choose one candidate per township. There are three candidates in Delaware Township's election. Amanda Shira is one of those three candidates and the incumbent having won election to that seat four years ago. Izzy Alexander talks with Amanda Shira in this podcast. All right, I will introduce myself for any listeners. My name is Izzy Alexander. I'm a senior at Fishers High School. Um, I'm taking over, me and my brother are taking over Larry's school board podcast this year. We were approached by a member of the community and asked to continue this tradition. And my brother and I are both We The People alum from Mike Fossil's class at Fishers Junior High. So we were very thrilled to get the opportunity to engage in civic participation with our community, even though neither of us can vote this year. So a little sad, yeah. <laughs> Would you like to start us off by telling a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I am Amanda Shara. I moved here nine years ago. My kids uh, participated in the Riverside Double STEM program. They were previously in private school, but I had a friend whose kids were in that class, and she said they get to take high school classes in junior high. And then for the last two years of high school, they get to take college classes. And it was a huge success. My son went to Purdue with 30 credits and is computer science. And my daughter, he graduated in 17. My daughter graduated in 19 and went up with 50 credits. And she is pre-med. So we are very happy with HSE. And I had free time after my kids were all grown and someone asked me, would I be interested in helping with school board? And I didn't understand how it worked, uh, but they said, you're always at school. You're always helping. I've been always at school probably since I was in kindergarten and just stuck with it. And so I ran four years ago and won the at-large Delaware Township seat. So you're running for re-election this year? Yes, ma'am. I am the only board member running for re-election. There was one other board member that was appointed a year ago, but I'm the only one uh, crazy enough to run again. So <laughs> You must really love the job then. Yes, I, I love just meeting students and asking, what's your next adventure? And what do you love? And, and how do you take your passion and what you're really good at and just go do it and and if you're at this great time where you can try new things and hopefully make some really good choices and be successful adults and and I even help now with the college kids with placements for jobs and internships so I just love helping students be their very best so yeah that's awesome so we were kind of talking about students Um, This year, it's been a very important issue for me this year, the student voice in school board, especially since we're in such a weird year where I think, I mean, everyone has input on our global pandemic right now and what we should be doing uh, to keep our community members safe. But I haven't heard a lot of student voices being considered in the school board. Do you think if you are elected Will you be considering the student voice or trying to communicate with students? What kind of ways will you be going about that, if at all? 
Right. I know you talked about the um, action club that you're in. Mr. Torres Mm -hmm. uh, coached cross country. So I'm in touch with him and several teachers kind of behind the scenes that they know that they can contact me if they've heard a concern with students. And then the superintendent officially always has uh, a student advisory committee. So those are appointed through the principals at each of the high schools. And then my parent that's on my superintendent, um, sort of my representative, because they said school board members shouldn't be present at those meetings with PTO presidents, that she uh, has three children of her own. I don't want to say who she is. So she has three children of her own. And then she, everyone knows that she is the contact for me. So there's sort of a network of people that anonymously, if they want to get some information to me. And if there was ever a student group that wanted to meet with me, I would be happy. We are not to just invite ourselves to meetings or clubs. We were advised that we should wait, uh, wait to be invited. So I would be open to any invitation. Yeah. That's helpful even knowing that school board members are open to talking with students. Oh, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think would be your top three priorities if you're reelected to the school board? Essentially, like, what's your platform that you're running on? Oh, that's easy. Get students back in school. That that seems so easy. Um, if unless a parent or a student has a health concern, I have wanted virtual teachers to be exclusive for those students and those families who want to remain remain virtual. I have a health issue. I can appreciate that. But 84% of families need to get back to work and want to get back to school. So back to school. Uh, Number two is the vocational and the internships. We now have graduation pathways required from the governor that students are required to have a meaningful service, work, or project experience. I know my kids had it and worked part of the day, their senior year, it's really important to know how to go somewhere, show up, take directions, and find out what you want to do or what you don't want to do. So back in school, vocational training, and to really work on the academic declension. I did not know that word could be used with academic, but I learned it from Dr. Fauci, that we usually have a two-month atrophy after students go back to school, but because you haven't been at school all the way back to March, there's a great concern in the academic community of how much have students lost um, academically and just the good morning and how are you and the courtesies of uh, the fellowship of the day. So I want to get kids back to school and start working on getting the academics up to par. Like you probably have had trouble getting your SAT scores, you know, or the SAT was canceled. And then how do we redo that? And you were probably all ready to take it at the end of your junior year. So we need to get the academics back up. And the only way we can do that, I'm sorry, I'm going on too much, is, is getting kids back to school. This has been a pretty unique year in regards to public health and safety. We were kind of talking about it earlier. Um, do you have a plan for ensuring the safety of every student in the district while we're going back to school. And this, especially for high school students, I go back to school Thursday. So 
Woo-hoo. Do you have a plan for that? We, we're in a really great spot that the federal, state, county, and local health departments are consistent. I mean, when did you ever think you'd get four government entities to agree that they say the students can go back to school if we maintain social distancing, which is if students are facing forward three feet apart, so you kind of stick your hands out, a mask, and the proper cleaning of surfaces. So we allocated an extra million dollars for an extra cleaning team to come in and to be cleaning throughout the day. And as things rotate, the teachers have a number that they can call if their classroom needs a little extra touch. And we also leased to buy for new buses. So we're at 50-50, so we have more room to spread out for transportation, and we just want the students to just be respectful. Don't come to school if you have a fever, and please have a mask on. And it's going to be really hard those first few days to not hug on your friends, but to just be mindful that we, we all need to be really healthy to just get through this until, until we get a vaccine. So um, especially also this year, we've seen a huge focus on equity in the past few months Mm -hmm. uh, in tandem with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Do you plan to advance equity and equality within our district? And if so, how? Okay, the the gentleman who left and vacated the position a year ago, he and I, I won't say, I'm trying not to say names. So he and I went to the president of the school board at that time and said, we have a large achievement gap between students of color um, with, with regard to all testing. It wasn't just the NWEA, it was all testing. And, and we thought, why don't we bring someone new in? And that was when Dr. Erica Buchanan Rivera was hired three years ago. But her position shifted when we had Title IX requirements and went more with social issues. So I would like to get back to the equity components of, of academics and skills and achievement, um, there are a lot of amazing demonstrations going on, and I follow all of this, but I, I, I don't know of any um, instances in our local community that students of color have been treated unkindly by leadership. And so I would like to know what what specifically would those students want. And I think an academic um, achievement would be better. More, more testing, more reading clubs, more assessments at a younger age to work on the equity of that achievement. Um, just for your own knowledge and sure. for anyone listening, there is an Instagram account called Black at HSC that talks about um, compiling anonymous stories from students of color all around our district and how they've been treated unfairly or inequitably within their schools by administration or by teachers or by fellow students. Right. It's an amazing and, resource. Yes, ma'am. And And I've read those. And those were each instances that then someone in administration contacted them. And at any point that anyone is being bullied, they need to contact an adult in the school that they're, that they're comfortable with and immediately address those issues. Some of those stories were three, four, six, seven years back. And we get some of those stories from parents about their child in junior high didn't get to try out for a particular team 
and then we look more closely, and they're a senior in high school. So anytime anyone is treated unfairly, we really want to encourage those items to be immediately addressed. Yeah. Do you have any specific um, academic equity to kind of reduce that achievement gap? Do you have any specific, Mm -hmm. could you give me like one example of something specific that you want to start? Yes. When they're in earlier grade school classes and the students are picked in first, second, third grade for the gifted and talented classes, we have noticed a great disparity between students of color and that that can't be right. I mean, everyone is born with an ability to learn. And so if, if there's an assessment done, because you, you read to learn, and then for the rest of your life, or you, you learn to read, and then you read to learn. If there's a difficulty with learning how to read, that needs to be addressed in first or second, third grade, and, and not just put to the side. Uh, so I would like a closer look at the reading levels and the math levels in first, second, and third grade. We've noticed this, this gap starts as early as third grade, and that's just not acceptable. I was one of the students who took the test in third grade. It was right after I moved to the district, and it has been something that I noticed that my reach classes didn't involve as many students of color as I thought they should have. So, mm-hmm. I agree. And I was adopted by a woman of color, so I'm kind of maybe a little more in tune with that, that my mother was very well educated and had a master's degree. And Mother Ballow just thought I was I was a poor girl from the east side of Indianapolis. But there there was never an expectation that she could learn, but I couldn't learn. And it was always go to the library and get more books and sit and read together and do flashcards and, you know, eat the marshmallows and do things. And so she closed that achievement gap with me. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a student of color. It could be somebody coming from a bad situation or moving here and doesn't know the English language. But we should be able to follow those benchmarks in first, second and third grade and have everyone achieving achieving, you know, at, at excellence. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, This is sort of a chance for you to explain why you're the best choice for the school board in at least (laughs) Delaware Township. Why should we vote for you? I think as a Medicare Medicaid fraud auditor, I have the professional background to look at the numbers and assess the data where the students, we built Southeastern. So Southeastern was a really good choice. And it's already full. So now we're looking at Noblesville Wayne to build another school. That's where the growth is. Um, I am very in tune with what's going on with the facilities committee and the growth and the budget. I have the time to do this. And I am just getting the hang of all the committees and vernacular and meeting everyone in the city and the county and working with different people. And I... I'm, I'm just committed to making the growth on the east side the best it can, but also uh, doing it in the framework of an economic recession. We're in an economic downturn. Monies into the state are down, which means that we will have a decrease in funding. And so there's going to have to be some, some budget cuts made, and that's, that's my area. 
I am a tax accountant and fraud auditor. So I'm, I'm ready to get in there with the numbers and, and make some choices. So you did mention you're the only candidate running for re-election this year. Um, so it's not your first term as a board member. Do you plan to take some of the lessons that you learned from your first term as a board member and carry them with you into the next term? Yes. I had no idea what I was doing four years ago. I thought when someone asked me to run for school board, like, oh, that's nice people that show up and cut ribbons and look at math books. I picked out curriculums for the previous two schools that my kids went to. I thought that's what school board was. I thought it was kind of whatever the teachers did, just sort of helping the teachers. It's really the oversight, because Hamilton Southeastern is so large, it's really the oversight of facilities and budgets. And it's uh, large, large amounts of money, and then everything's times however many buildings, and then however many programs, and however many grades, and watching the trends. So it's a lot more math and financial than just being a, a nice person volunteering at school. So it's, it's like drinking from a fire hose. And I looked back at the Education Association Forum from four years ago, and uh, I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Would you be able to give us an example of what kind of lessons you've learned as a school board member? Um, I don't think portables are as bad as other people think. I think portables maybe should be utilized. We have a couple of grades that are kind of a, a, a large group moving through, and, and, and that's okay. And there are variances in the different grades based on the 2008 economic downturn. Who, who would ever think that what's happening right now is based on what was 12 years ago? But I was an adult with, an, with a mortgage, and I saw people losing their houses all around me. So we can see now that we are in another 2008 situation. And so it's nice to have looked back on the patterns of how that worked out. Um, we're, we're in a great spot because our AAA bond rating, we can borrow money. Interest rates are very low. If we need to remodel something or build something, we can do that. Um, probably the biggest thing that was a shock was how many buses we have and how expensive it is to maintain a bus and put tires on them. And, you know, just just everything is just huge numbers and, and to just sit down and digest it and break it up. You wanted something super specific. Playgrounds. Playground money is uh, was a big deal four years ago. So we had a piece of property that the city bought uh, I'm sorry, not the city. I won't say who. Someone bought from us, and we had playground funds available. And so each PTO could design their own playground and come and get grant money. And so I looked at a lot of playground designs. <laughs> That's that certainly a good, way to, it was a good way to start off a term rather than this year you're coming yeah. in sort of oh my. economic downturn, global I pandemic. I feel bad for the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's definitely that's a complete paradigm shift between starts of two terms. So that's interesting right. to hear about. 
Yeah, that was the hot topic was playground money four years ago because the referendum had just passed. Uh, assessed valuations were up. You know, we had the concerts at Connor Prairie and the concerts over at the Nickel Plate and the CCA edition was just completed. My son's class that graduated in 17 was kind of the first to get to use the CCA. So it was just kind of like having a bright, shiny new car. Um, we still have it. We're, we're just anticipating it's a little bit older right now. And yeah. 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 You mentioned earlier um, the reason why you really love doing this is being able to interact with students. Would you mm -hmm. say you're a pro student? Oh, yeah. My, my Fisher's Rotary badge says student advocate. Um, but I'm just all about the kids because when, when I was adopted, I had switched schools five times my junior year of high school. It was a very violent situation and a public education, I mean, saved my life. And then I was able to have someone coach me, my guidance counselor that adopted me, Mother Ballow, then I, I would have never even known how to apply to college. My mother didn't finish eighth grade and my father had a little bit of high school. I have a college degree and a CPA license and it is because of her stepping in and saying, well, what are you gonna do? And not looking at the violent background that I came from, but to say, let's press forward. Let's go forward. And we have a, a majority of our students from divorced families. And when I first moved here, I thought that would be a huge embarrassment. But that is now, um, that's now the norm. Broken families are now the norm. And I love to get these kids and say, okay, well, what about this welding program? What about this certification program? What about, you know, can I help you fill out the common app? Or there's an English teacher that will review your essay. Uh, the college boot camp, Mrs. Brown at Fisher's High School. I, I just begged for that and she got it together and it started uh, before my son's senior year to just show that there are other things to do than going 100000 in debt. You know, you can, you can try something else. Um, and I, I just love that part of, of a hopeful future. Each one of you are gifted in a unique way. And I want to get to know, like I looked up, you know, the things that you're involved in in the yearbook to know what is someone interested in, right? I yeah. love those stories. My daughter, every time her friends come over, I say, how is school? What's your next adventure? What are you doing? Where are you working part-time? Right. Yeah, I love it. If you could sum up being pro-student for you in like a sentence or two, what would that be? Um, equipping students to maximize their abilities to be contributing citizens to be independent. So is that, that's all students? Yes, every single, every single person that is alive has an area of giftedness. Some might be car mechanics, some might be, you know, rocket scientists, whatever it is, it's okay. You know, I'm an accountant. I, I, I tell my kids, you know, I can add and subtract. 
that's about it. I can add and subtract and look at the trends of math, but I didn't think that was very important. But n- now it, it really is, you know, with following budgets. Other people can do chemistry. I really could never do that. We, do, we don't need to think of the smart kids are, are up here and the athletes and the popular kids and everybody else is down here. Because after high school, ne- it, that's not how life works. You know, if I need my car worked on, boy, that auto mechanic all of a sudden is at the top of the list. If the air conditioning fails, right? So I just want to find that area that you're each really, really blessed with and and make that grow. Yeah. So that's all students of all abilities, of all sexualities, genders, identities. Yes. Yes, my son had a friend that wore nail polish, and I think he thought he was going to kind of shock me senior year. And he came up to me at graduation rehearsal and said, you know, um, would you please talk with my dad at graduation? He doesn't like, we won't say too much, the, his next adventure. And, and it was a great one, I thought. So I met with his family, and, and he said that really helped that somebody on school board was saying, yes, this is a great next step, and keep me posted, and I want to hear how you're doing. Yes. And he's doing fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the questions I have. If you want to add anything, any last statements you want to say? No, I think like I to talked express? too much. I'm sorry. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> oh, can I can I explain? At the end of the um, the teachers' interview, they said, "Well, is there anything you'd like to clear up?" And so the two elephants in the room for me are the Kite Runner, which was a book in August of 2017 that my daughter was required to read for AP Lit. And it, it had some pretty graphic material in it that for our family was a sensitive subject. And I uh, sat at the board meeting and I held the book up and I said, why, why do they have to read this? And I was, there was a whole article written in the star about me wanting to, and I won't even say the word, the word starts with B, this book. And, and no, that was not what I said. What I was referring to was that when my son took the class two years before, there was a list of 27 different books, and each student could pick two or three for AP Lit. But that particular year, it was just that one book. And I was just asking, why can't the students have more choices? But the teacher, I went and met with the teacher, and the teacher brought up a good point that the letter was sent out in May my child was reading the book in August, and if I had really been that concerned, I should have been reading the book in May, not August. So um, that was that issue. And then the second was the vote for the Title IX discrimination last spring, which, which has been nicknamed some other things. But I really support girls in sports. And there was a part in that policy that was changed that the Supreme Court now, just this past summer, has added a little clarification. But I really wanted to protect girls and girls sports because now you can make money if you're a college athlete. You can sell your name as a brand. And so if we have a a young man who then wanted to try out for a girls sport, they could. 
under that policy. And that was what I was voting against. Um, it, it was twisted around and there were lots of other things stated, but I would want every student to have every opportunity. But if you're a, a young man, I would like for you to try out for sports for young men to leave those spots for the young ladies. That's it. That's usually the two things I'm seeing. That's kind of the hate mail on social media. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. If that's Things just get twisted a little. Yeah. If that is all and you have no other closing statements, then we no. will wrap up this interview. Yeah. Thank you. Thank it's you for this nice chance. very nice to meet you. Yeah. Very nice to meet you. Good luck with, so where, where are you considering, see, now, now I have to ask, what's your next adventure? Where are you considering applying? Um, I'm hopefully applying to some out-of-state schools. Uh, Indiana summer, or Indiana winters do not agree with me, so I'm hopefully going somewhere a little bit sunnier <laughs> next year. My top school right now would be Vanderbilt. Wow. Oh, very good. Nashville. Yes. We went, we went down there for, for my son to look through, but they did not have a strong computer science program. But, but, but their graduate school was really strong, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're in for the long haul. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I'll figure it out. It depends on what I want to, it, it depends on what I figure out I want to do. I'm still not sure yet, but. Right. Well, that's okay. You're young. You just look at what you're really good at and what gets you really excited. And I would say clearly journalism and writing might be one of your areas of giftedness, right? Hopefully. <laughs> or, or constitutional law. I have some relatives who think I should go into law school, but I don't know if I would make it through law school without going crazy. So No, you can't. It's just a lot of memorization. Oh, if you survived <laughs> the IB program, that'll be nothing. Right. I just rewatched Hamilton last night. And just to think that a young man who was orphaned, who was 19 years old, came to New York. Right. That it's just have you seen it? I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I think everybody I think everybody saw Hamilton before I did. But I, I hadn't realized he came to New York when he was 19. That's a huge leap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you'll have some greatness and somebody will be writing a musical about you one day, right? <laughs> That's a dream, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. And we need a woman doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice to meet you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. You too. Once again, my thanks to Izzy and Casey Alexander for handling the school board candidate interviews this election cycle. Remember, if you vote a straight party ticket, your voting process is not over. Continue on to vote for the county council and then for the school board. This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. On behalf of Izzy and Casey Alexander, thanks for listening. Be safe and be kind.